place right now. Just worship him where you're at. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Father. We're going to go to prayer in just a few moments. I'm going to ask the elders if you'll come and stand down front for those of you who need a special touch. We remember several that are sick. Uh, Nina just contacted me and said she's home ill and good to see Marianne back and some others back as well um, but there are those that are not doing well and uh, Donna's Donna had mentioned to ask for prayer for her, your cousin the cousins that are missionary teachers in the Ukraine and they have been asked to leave and they are now in Albania and uh, so just pray for that family and that transition and what's happening there as well remember that in prayer but I I was just reading something a while back. And I just want to share this real quickly. This was a, it was a study. This is not a Christian thing. Okay, this is not a Christian thing. It was a study that was done. Uh, it's in Psychology Today. Uh, it was done at Berkeley originally and John Cabot University and another university in uh, Italy, I believe, uh, several major universities. And it said that uh, they did testing on dopamine in the brain, which is a chemical that's released at certain times. And they said because the certain emotions reside in what's called the prefrontal cortex. Uh, it creates a certain modulation in the prefrontal cortex. And I said all that. None of us understand anything I just said, including me. But I said it all because they said that it is not possible for gratitude and anxiety to reside in the same brain at the same time. Whew. Is that unbelievable? Gratitude the more thankful your heart is, the less anxiety you'll have because it cannot reside in the same part of the prefrontal cortex. Is, is there a wonder? Someday we're really going to believe the word. When the word says, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So as you go into worship for these next couple songs, and as if you want to come down and seek the Lord with something, that's fine. The altars are always open. If you want special prayer, first thing we need to start doing is filling our hearts with gratitude and thanksgiving for who he is. And the more we do that, the less anxiety will be in our hearts. I didn't say that. Berkeley University said it. <laughs> so let's fill our hearts with worship to him. Let's do it. So Lord, I come. I confess my way here. I find my rest without you. I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart.
salvation comes my way And when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay And when I cannot stand or fall on you Cause Jesus, you're my hope and stay Surrender now, I give you everything. 
my life. Just raise your hands and sing it to him. All my life you have been faithful. Oh, yes, you have, my Lord. All my life you have been so, so Worship him right now where you're at. Hallelujah. All my life you have been so. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Every breath that I am able. Hallelujah. I will sing of the goodness of God. Blessed be your name. Oh, I will sing of the goodness. I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, I can say I have lived a really a blessed life. My wife and I talk about it all the time. It just seems like nothing major in our lives, nothing very catastrophic, thank the Lord. But I look at a lot of believers that have gone through things that I think would have just crushed me. I don't know if I would have survived it. And I've seen them go through it. Frank and Sandy, loss of a son, loss of children, loss of spouses, things like that. Difficult, difficult situations. But yet I see people that still have a heart of gratitude, a heart of worship, a heart of praise. Children that have committed suicide. Lisa's daughter. But yet, here they are. Here they are. So, either they're really stupid, or they have tapped into a strength and a source that goes beyond our minds. It's one of the two. They've realized that it's not in a bottle, it's not in a syringe, it's not in a drug, it's not in a relationship, it's in Jesus. And we can rest in that. Hallelujah, Father. I'll just praise him one more time before we're done. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus. All my life we magnify you, Lord. All my life oh, yes. you have been faithful. Yes, you are, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And all my life oh, you have been so, so thank you so much for your goodness. A lot of times we don't see it. A lot of times it's blocked by circumstances that we, we, and sometimes it's bad circumstances. Sometimes it's circumstances that are totally beyond our control and it, it'll block out the goodness that you have for us. So help us in these days to look beyond those things and see your goodness because father, you have brought us this far. You've brought us this far, and if you've brought us this far, you're not going to let us down now. If you've brought us to this point, you're going to bring us all the way. And we can rest in that this morning, that your goodness and your mercy and your grace will bring us all the way to the deliverance you have for us. And that might not be here, it might be there, but we know that that's the ultimate deliverance when we stand before your throne. So we thank you that your goodness will follow us all the days of our lives, David said. All the days of my life, your goodness is going to follow after me. We thank you for that, Father. And we're going to praise you for your mercy as you pour it out in our lives. And we ask it and believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise your holy name. And you may continue to pray if you need to. Hallelujah. Ushers, if you'll come. And we will prepare to meet the need of the hour. Hallelujah. Thank for you for your faithfulness. Uh, as you see in your bulletin, we uh, are, don't make a, a big fuss uh, about it, but we are also 
Uh, every fifth Sunday uh, in a month, we give you an opportunity to make a pledge to missions. If you do not already are not making one or if you'd like to renew one or something, the information's in your bulletin there as well. So that is all for you to, to see. So praise his name. Hallelujah. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we just thank you that we can continue worshiping through the giving of tithes and offerings. We know you're going to take this offering. You're going to bless it. You're going to multiply it. You're going to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom because that's what it's all about. We're here to receive from you, but Father, we're here to give to you as well. We're here to give to the world that's around us, to meet the need, to touch those that are hurting, and we thank you that we could do that, Father. We receive your touch and your blessing in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise his name, praise his name. And uh, as I had mentioned, next Sunday, Pastor Ron will be sharing, and uh, uh, just uh, don't get too comfortable in your seats, because uh, why, you know, why don't you guys just come up right now uh, after your Actually, wait a minute. We've got to wait till they're done with the offering because that's important. We can't make people move before they do the offering, right? That's, that's bad planning. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Ron, as we mentioned last week, has been here for 20 years, and he is, doing a, is finishing his master's degree, and he is uh, doing an internship here as well. And we just figured it was a good time to raise him to the next level. He's been, he and Joanne have been so faithful. And you know what, what I love about him really, and really all the staff here, uh, even my brother-in-law, Jim, I mean, it's, uh, it's so wonderful to be able to, to ask them to do something. And then I could walk away. Uh, You know how, how nice it is to not have to check up on people. You just walk away and it gets done. So we have some things Uh, on the agenda for the up-and-coming months. I mentioned to Joanne, who's been doing some of the banquets and things and funeral luncheons, and it's just so nice to say, here, you do it, boom. Lisa, do it, Jim, do it. It's done, and we walk away. And that's the way Ron and Joanne have been here since I've known them. They are are just always ready to minister, to help, to do whatever needs to be done. So um, he will be, he is in the office now uh, at least Tuesdays and Wednesdays, sometimes Thursday. And uh, if you need anything, he's here. Uh, I'm here as well. But uh, as I had mentioned, the executive pastor position is very simply, uh, he is working with Lisa as well in the normal operations. So if you, if you uh, talk to him, you're talking to me. It's basically the same thing. Uh, so uh, we are, are glad that he is here. So Ron and Joanne, why don't you come up? And um, uh, elders, leaders, uh, really whoever wants to, just come on down and let's just gather around these two. Why don't you stand right down there in the middle and we'll just uh, do it that way. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful to be able to bless faithful people and lift them up to the next level, the next level of whatever God has for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much for our brother and sister. What wonderful, faithful people they are. And we know, Father, that the one thing that you reward, it's, it's not intellect, although they are both very, very smart. It's not diligence. It's not sweat. It's not, you reward faithfulness. And, and that's what I see in Ron and Joanne, your faithfulness over the years to do what's necessary, to do what they're called to do. I ask, Father God, that you will just pour out right now a new blessing on them. I ask for new vision, for new insight, for new wisdom, for new revelation, that, Father, they will see this not as an ending, but this is a beginning now. This is another step toward whatever you have for them. And you're going to open doors that no man can shut. You're going to shut doors that no man can open. And they're going to walk boldly through it into what you have for them. We thank you for their presence here. And we know that they're going to be a continual blessing to everybody in this church as they minister by the power of the Holy Spirit to all of the needs that are represented. We thank you so much for what you're doing in their lives. We look forward to hearing their ministry even more and more and more as the days unfold. And we know you're going to do great and marvelous things through them. We thank you for them, and we receive this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, folks. And as I mentioned, next Sunday, we'll be getting together. Amen. Give them a, give them a blessing. Amen. After he preaches next Sunday, uh, we will have a time of uh, just sharing together in the cafe. Uh, nothing heavy, I believe, just some uh, some refreshments and some cake and things like that and uh they we were asked what kind of cake do you guys want and jim and i both responded that it 
it needs to be, we don't care what they want. It needs to be like this much cake and that much frosting. And it, and it can't be the whipped cream stuff. No, it has to be that heavy sugar, real. Like buttercream, yes, heavy. So after your first piece, you feel like you're sliding into a coma. It's just, praise the Lord. Teens, I believe you may be dismissed uh, for your time together with Pastor Yuri. And uh, the rest of us, open your Bibles to Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Uh, we started something last week, and I, I wanted to jump into this. Uh, as I say, Ron will be speaking next week. So th- this is actually going to be a three-part message on uh, Moriah, Mount Moriah. Moriah and the place that it uh, holds in Jewish history. And last week, we just talked about the fact that uh, <clears throat> this was three, three particular places that speak of three things in our walk with the Lord. It's a, a, a part of, of history in Genesis 22, which is where we'll be today. You know the story of uh, Abraham and, and Isaac. Uh, and then uh, 2 Samuel 24, we read these passages last week. This is where David numbered the people incorrectly and judgment uh, came upon the people of Israel and he had to sacrifice on the, the threshing floor that was also at Moriah. And then in Second Chronicles, the third chapter through the fifth chapter, this is the dedication of Solomon's temple, which was also on Mount Moriah. So Moriah in the Old Testament speaks of, salva- of, speaks of sacrifice, judgment, and glory. Sacrifice, judgment, and glory. And so we talked about last week, we showed a quick video clip of uh, a brother sharing that God is the creator, right? He owns it all. There, he possesses it all. He dispenses everything. He receives back everything. To him, everything belongs. So he is the all in all. And he has created for us laws. Uh, he gave the law, uh, gave commandments to uh, Adam and Eve. And of course, they messed it up. Then he gave them to Moses. And of course, they messed it up. And Jesus gave it to us on the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, we mess it up all the time too. So that's what we do, and uh, that's why we need a constant sacrifice. That's why there needs to be constant judgment in, in, in our hearts of sin and things that we fall short of. And so there is sacrifice, judgment, and glory, and, and we saw then that the gospel is something that we then live out. So when we, when we think about, and before I get into the actual three points today, because that was just sort of an in, uh, introduction, but when we think about sacrifice— a lot of times we think about really grand themes of sacrifice, like big things, like Abraham and Isaac, or like uh, dying for the cause of the gospel, uh, or having to lose our job for the cause of the gospel. We accept Christ as our Savior, and maybe we were involved in an area of life, a job that, that we had to leave because of becoming a Christian or something. We think of big sacrifices, or maybe not being able to marry that person or date that person or having to give up so many big things. And, and that's true. Uh, there are, are aspects of sacrifice that are that way. But when I'd like us to sort of think of uh, a smaller sacrifice. And, and during this message in particular, I don't want it to sound so negative because we're already depressed by the weather, right? So, but... Uh, don't want you to think of it necessarily that way. I want you to think of sacrifice as small daily yeses to Jesus. And you and I both know, if you've walked with the Lord long enough, that small daily yeses to his word usually means small little sacrifices to us. Praying for that person who abuses you. Forgiving that person. Like we said earlier, having gratitude instead of anxiety. Sometimes we like anxiety more, don't we? Do you know, you know they're saying now that, that with COVID, that in the general population, it has created a fear that we are now attached to. We are enjoying the fear of COVID, many people. They enjoy it. It, it, it has created a dopamine response in their brain that they actually are enjoying the fear. And we can, we can fall into that trap. So small sacrifices. I'll give you an example. Uh, David said, and I, I didn't get the, the verse, but you could look at, look at it when you go home, uh, and I'll, I'll paraphrase it. He said, feed me with the food that is meat for me or appropriate for me. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. God, just give me what I need, appropriate. And, and that's a good thing to do. Well, a, a good example of this is our cat at home. 
<laughs> every morning when I get up, I put the coffee on, and, and then I have my one cup of milk with uh, a third of a cup of fiber one because I'm old. I want to have Captain Crunch, and I want to have four cups of Captain Crunch, but I have a third of a cup of fiber one. So I put the, I put the fiber one in there, and then immediately she is at my feet because I give her one capful of milk. And I pour it on the floor, and then she drinks that milk. All right. One capful. She's got food, she's got water, she's got everything. I give her a little bit of a blessing with one capful of milk. Well, then a little bit later, my wife usually gets up, and then the coffee goes on for her, and she likes cream in her coffee. So when I open the fridge to get the cream out, guess what happens? That cat is at my legs again. But she doesn't get the second one. No matter how hard she tries, no matter how she tries to trip me up and make me fall on the kitchen floor by it being in my legs, she still only gets one capful. That's a form of sacrifice, if I could say it that way. In other words, the Lord looks at us and says, no, 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 one capful, that's all you're getting. That's all you need. I know you want 10 capfuls, but you're just getting one. I, I know you want four donuts, but you're only getting two, and that's enough. So the Lord gives us what is appropriate for our lives, does he not? And how many know we want more? But he says, no, no, no. I'm only going to give you this much. That's the picture of sacrifice that I want to get to uh, in, in what we're sharing today. Sacrifice is just getting up every morning and saying, Father, give me what's appropriate. Help me to be content with what I have. Help me to be blessed with what I have. If you give me more, I'll take it. If you don't give me more, I'll be just as happy and just as blessed. Eh, that was a weak amen, but that's okay. So three points about this sacrifice. Let's just look very quickly, and I won't read the whole story again. Just those first passages of uh, Genesis 22, and then you know the story, and you could read it when you go home. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, I am here. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, mm-hmm, which he had another son, didn't he? Uh, he did. He had Ishmael as well. But he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. And you know the story. He went on and he went all the way up to where he took the knife and was about to plunge it into the breast of his son, Isaac. But the angel stayed his hand and said, no, that's enough. It was just a test. So three points about this. Number one, we see it's a place. Moriah is a place of sacrificial love. It's a place of sacrificial obedience and a place of sacrificial faith. So it's, first of all, a place of sacrificial love. What a story. Any parent in here could feel the pathos of this, the pain, the bizarreness of it. Now, we'll get back to that in a moment, but last week we mentioned that Abraham understood this concept because he was a Chaldean. He was raised in a Canaanite culture. He understood what child sacrifice was all about. So in his mind, he knew that this was just a repeat of what he had heard many, many years growing up, and he was about to do it. But it's interesting that the very first time the word love is used in the Old Testament is in this passage. Take Isaac whom you love. Mm. And it's interesting that the first time that love is used, it's used in conjunction with sacrifice. <laughs> God could have said, Abraham, give me a million dollars. And he probably could have because he was wealthy. Hey, Abraham, give me a thousand cattle. Give me 500 slaves. He could have said all that. But he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to show you a principle of my creation that love is born in sacrifice. Without love, there is no sacrifice. And without sacrifice, there is no love. Hmm. One of the greatest lies that it has entered into our society, entered in in the 60s. Some of you were hippies then, and you know it. Free love, free love, right? Woodstock, free love. Listen, folks, love is not free. It never has been. Love costs. Love does not cost you something. Love does not cost you dearly. Love does not cost you a lot. Most of the time, love costs everything. Abraham, God said, put your everything on the altar. But, you know, but God, you're asking me to give up everything. Take my servants, take my livestock, take my home. Son, take my son. You see, God knew that Abraham could remake all those other things. 
Abraham was a wealthy man. He knew how to do it. Uh, As far as I know back then, it only took two sheep, right? (laughs) Two sheep, two goats, two cows. You're good to go. And you could start it all over again. But he could not make another Isaac. He tried to make an Isaac through Ishmael, and it didn't work. But he could only make an Isaac through God. Listen, if you have any delusions about true sacrifice and true love, if you think that you can hold back and love at the same time, if you think you can only give what you want to give, when you want to give it, to whom you want to give it, then you don't know true love. Sacrificial love will put you through the ringer. It will wipe you out totally. It will drain you of all you have. It will hold you to your bedpost in intercessory prayer. It may even strip you naked and put you on a cross. Sacrificial love. On on bleak Mount Moriah, Abraham learned a lesson that day. It was on this mountain that many years later, a glorious new temple was going to rise. It was going to be the envy of the world, Solomon's temple. They would come from around the world to see this glorious temple. But now was not that time. Now it was a holy place of sacrifice. At this place, Abraham learned that sacrifice and love go hand in hand. So Abraham, with a quivering hand, raised the knife to the sky and was ready to plunge it into the breast of his own son. And that's when a voice came and said, Abraham, stay your hand. I just wanted to see your heart. I just wanted to see. I won't ask you to do what the Chaldean parents used to do. I won't ask you what the Chaldean priests used to do. Just stay your hand. I want to see what is in your heart. But I believe that If he communicated even more, God would have said, but you know, Abraham, there's coming a time when the scene is going to be quite different, isn't it? Just as you laid your son upon the altar of sacrifice, I will lay my son upon the altar of sacrifice. Just as you placed your son on the wood, I will place my son on the wood of a cross. Just as you raised your knife, I will raise the sword of my judgment, but in that day my sword will plummet into the chest of my son. Blood will pour forth, there will be cries of agony, flesh will be torn, his side will be open, his brow will be pierced, and everybody in that day will know what true sacrificial love is. In that day you will see a true love that is so amazing, so agonizing, so painful, so gory, It's bloody, it's distressing, it's disturbing, it's costly, it's expensive, and sometimes that love will even sweat drops of blood. But without sacrifice, there can be no glory. God did what he asked Abraham not to do in the end. So it's a place of sacrificial love. And the two have to be there together. But it's also a place of sacrificial obedience. Sacrificial obedience. Later on, God would say in the Old Testament, to obey is better than sacrifice. To hearken, to hear my voice is better than the fat of rams. It's better than all the Old Testament customs and laws and rituals. It's, it's better than that. You say, well, why is that? Because Israel began to sacrifice that which cost them nothing. And that's not what sacrifice is. And we're going to see that next week deeper. Sacrifice is supposed to be costly. It's supposed to demand obedience. As a matter of fact, the actual word of Moriah literally means loss or forfeiture. It's a a place of loss. But here's the thing about that. In, In the world, to lose is to suffer defeat. When you lose, you're done. You've lost. But in the kingdom, to lose means you win. It's backwards. And that's why it's so hard for us to understand. That's why when we hear a concept such as sacrifice or obedience or things like that, we we immediately start thinking with our earthly brain, the brain we've been trained with all these years. And we always think the negative of it. But in the kingdom, it's always the reverse of what your negative brain begins to think. In the kingdom, to lose is to bring victory. In the world, we hoard, we protect, we create a stash. But in the kingdom, we give. And freely you have received, and freely you're going to continue to give. In the world, we do unto others before they do it to us, right? In the kingdom, we pray for those who persecute us. We give them a cup of water. We help them out. These things require obedience to fulfill. 
I know, I know. Don't worry, we're getting to the hallelujah part in a few minutes. This, this is the hard part. See, there, there are two things that Abraham could have said. He, he could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, God. You're asking me to do something that is just way too hard. Here, please, why don't you just take my Ishmael instead? Because he already got rid of him, already wanted to get rid of him, right? Already sending his wife out in the wilderness. Why don't you just, just take my Ishmael? He's, he's my Ishmael. But the problem with Ishmael was he was the son of the flesh, not of the spirit. He was a son of flesh. He, he, Abraham had obtained it. Abraham worked through his own energy. Abraham used deception and conniving and planning to get it. And so that kind of stuff doesn't cost doesn't cost anything in God's kingdom. That kind of stuff is useless. As a matter of fact, when we get to the end of the age, what's going to be burned up for all of us believers? Our works. Hay, stubble. All those things. Oh, but Lord, didn't I preach that wonderful revival service where thousands of people did this and that? And didn't I pastor that great church? And didn't I, wasn't I this and wasn't I that? And the Lord just is going to chuckle and we're going to watch it all burn up. In a great bond. How big is that bonfire going to be when all of our works are burned up? That's going to be one big. Better get the marshmallows out. Get a lot of marshmallows. We'll be able to eat a lot of marshmallows. It's all going to be burned up because it's all just the works of our flesh. It's all just the things we've done, which we need works, but they're all going to be burned up. So the first thing we understand is that God doesn't want our Ishmael, He wants our Isaac. God doesn't want the activity of our flesh, He wants you. He wants me. He wants the entire me. I, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul said, that you present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if we say whole bodies and living, I've said before, it would just be great if it could be a dead one because we could all be in heaven right now. <laughs> we could have a mass suicide service, kill the sacrifice, and all just go to be with Jesus. But it's not that. It is a... I mean, no, it's... it's you're, you're all real quiet this morning, so I'll just keep going. How many know that it's much harder to live for Jesus than to die for Jesus? It's way harder. My, my heart goes out to the martyrs of the church. They did a wonderful thing, and there are people being martyred right now, and it's amazing. But, but it's really hard to live every day for 10 years, 30 years, 60 years, every day, living a life of obedience and sacrifice every day. That's a lot harder. And I know some of you just looked at your spouse, too. in loving agreement. That's what it was. Every one of us here will have a Mount Moriah experience. It may be a small daily one. when, When the Holy Spirit prompts you to say, no, you don't need that. Just keep going. That's a small Mount Moriah experience, uh, or it may be a big one that we face in our lives. But the same question comes, the probe is inserted in our hearts, and the voice comes and says, lovest thou me more than these? Will you give that up for me? Will you put that Isaac on the altar? Wow. But God, Abraham could have said, I've waited a hundred years for Isaac. He's mine. Listen, we need to understand something, folks. And boy, there are a lot of pastors in pulpits. There are a lot of leaders of ministries. There are a lot of people like this that need to understand this even more. That what God gives you isn't yours, it's his. Isaac was God's seed. Isaac was not Abraham's seed. Isaac was God's seed. And that Isaac was going to point to a new heavenly Isaac that was coming down the road, a heavenly seed. What God has given you, can it be possessed by you? Can I own what was never mine in the first place? Can I dominate and control what was given to me by grace? Can I mandate a free gift? Can I legislate sovereign mercy? Can I doctrinalize love? Can I dogmatize a relationship? How can I hold so tightly what was given to me so freely and pretend that it belongs to me when it doesn't even belong to me in the first place. It's all his grace. It's all his mercy. It's all his love. Freely you receive. Freely. Freely. You know what the word free means? It means free. It was poured out in your life for free. You, you didn't earn it. It's free. The Abrahams of God realized that all they have is from God. He owns it. He dispenses it, 
and it's all for his glory. Sacrificial obedience, I believe, simply means giving back to him what he first gave to us. It's real simple. It's not hard. It's just giving back. So that's the Moriah of obedience. So sacrificial obedience, there's sacrificial love. Moriah is sacrificial obedience. And then the last one is that Mount Moriah is a place of sacrificial faith. There's love, there's obedience, and there's faith. Now, you don't see this faith really until many years later in the book of Hebrews. And you could read Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the heroes of the faith, and it talks about this. And this is what's so exciting about this. This is why Abraham is our father. Our father, our, our, our spiritual father is not Moses. That speaks of the law. It's not David. It's not any of the prophets. Our spiritual father in the Old Covenant is Abraham because we are children of Abraham because we are children of faith because Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham really believed that God would raise Isaac back up by faith. Wow. Listen, understand this. God is not a slot machine. We just don't pull his, his, his lever and all of a sudden big coins come out. No, that's not true. However... However, I hear, so many, I hear so many people preach against faith teachers. I remember one pastor that I used to know. I think I mentioned this before. Uh, he used to preach against faith teaching all the time. He used to preach against prosperity. He used to preach against all that. And then literally, I'm not lying to you, he would leave the church and get into his Cadillac and drive back to his $200,000 home in Canfield. <laughs> so I understand God is not a slot machine. But I also understand that when you sacrifice to God, you will always get it back. Hallelujah. The more you give, the more you'll get back. I don't understand how it happens, but you will get it back. This is why sacrifice for the believer is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Sacrifice in the world means you give it up. Sacrifice in the kingdom means you give it up into the kingdom and you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth cannot corrupt or thief cannot steal. In the world you lose, but in the kingdom you gain because Paul said, what things were lost to me, those I counted gain that I may obtain Christ, that I may get the kingdom. In the world, you lessen yourself. In the kingdom, Jesus said, if you lose yourself, you're going to find yourself, and you're going to get more than you can ever ask for. Cast your bread upon the waters, and it'll go away forever, and you'll never see it again. Is that what Jesus said? Cast your bread upon the waters, and in many days hence, you will, it will return back to you on the waters. It'll come right back to you. And Jesus added, it'll come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You sow to the wind, and you're going to reap the whirlwind, the word says. That's a negative thing, but it's also a positive thing. Because that means when I sow, and I keep sowing, and I keep sowing, and I keep giving, and I keep sharing, and I keep sacrificing, that someday, somehow, it's going to come back, and I'm going to reap a whirlwind of blessing in my life. I know that glory is coming. I know that what you give back to me is going to come pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men are going to pour into my bosom, Jesus said. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know from whom it's going to come. But someday you're going to raise my Isaac back into my life. And at that time, when I need it the most, when it has to happen right then, God, you are going to give it to me pressed down shaken together and running over blessings that I won't even be able to contain wow so God I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on the altar I'm gonna lay it on the altar and someday somehow when I need it the most oh you think I need it now you don't know what you need now your father knows what you have need of even before you ask so that means you don't even know what you need. You think you know what you need. Oh, Lord, I really need that job, or I really need that, I really need that. You know what? You don't know what you need. God knows what you need before you even ask for it. Somehow, when I need it most, somehow. Anybody ever got a blessing when you least expected it? <laughs> All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and you scratch your head and you say, God, what? Why did I get blessed? I don't even know what I did. You, you probably didn't do anything or what you did, you did so long ago you can't even remember it. In some sudden burst of sacrificial love, you gave it back to God and all of a sudden you left it there and guess what? It came back to you. It'll come back to you when it seems impossible. 
You'll say, ah, Lord, I, there is no way I'm going to make it through this. It is impossible. It can't happen. And he says, watch. Watch what I'm going to pour back into you that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> it's coming back in. Hallelujah. He's going to raise the promise back to life whenever we sacrifice it. I, I always think of the young lady sitting down here in the front row, second row. That was both correct, too. Young and second row. I had to make sure. How many times she, she would tell us, she would tell my sister and I, oh, we don't even know. We, we didn't even get a paycheck till you were in high school. We just, we just trusted the Lord. We don't even know how it happened. And they built a house and bought cars and took vacations to Jamaica <laughs> once. At the height of, when was that? In the 70s. At the height of, of uh, when we had the highest inflation ever in modern history, right? Remember that time? Gas lines and everything else? They were, they were going on a trip to Jamaica. You didn't even know it. Oh, God's got everything in, under control, folks. Just keep on giving to him. Just keep on sacrificing. Just keep on pouring out. And I guarantee you he's going to pour back into you in ways that you could never, ever, ever understand or comprehend. That's why I say we start at Moriah with sacrifice. And it sounds so negative. But I'm telling you right now, sacrifice for the believer is one of the most positive things you can do every day. Because the more you pour out, the more he pours back in. The more you give, the more he gives back. Not that you can get more, but that you can give more. And how many know that every blessing that the Lord has, there is a collateral effect to it? You may think, oh, okay, so if I give 20%, he gives back 40%. Then I've got to give the 40%, and then he gives back 80%. I've got to give back the 80%. And, he, and you think, well, I never have anything. No, it never works that way. Whenever you give, he gives back to you and he shakes it together and it runs over and you get more than you thought you had in the first place. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that's the way it works. So, as we walk into this first area of sacrifice and we move toward the area of personal judgment when we confess before him all of our failures and shortcomings like David did, we have to understand that we are walking, we are step by step moving toward glory. We're not moving toward defeat. We're not moving toward lack. We're moving toward glory every step of the way. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you so much for this first lesson from Moriah. It's a, it, it's a stunning place when we look at it, especially in the 21st century mindset. It's stunning to see a man raise a knife to plunge into his child's chest. That's an amazing concept. But Father, we realize that that is what you did in Jesus. And that seed, Jesus, that went into the ground and died, came forth and has birthed billions of seeds of glory and blessing throughout this humanity. And it will continue to do so because that blood that was shed is never going to lose its power. It's never going to stop. It's going to keep going forever. So I thank you that we can be part of this sacrificial system where we willingly lay ourselves down and say, okay, Lord, what steps do you want me to take? What direction do you want me to go? Because I know that every step I take leads me one step closer to your glory, to your blessing, and to your provision. And you can give me the strength and the faith, the love, the obedience, and the faith to stand boldly on Mount Moriah and do just what you tell us to do. I thank you for that example of faith from our father, Abraham, because that's the path we need to walk. We thank you. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. You know, I've said it before. The Lord will never bless a stagnant pond. You know that in a stagnant pond, the only thing that will happen is it'll be, it'll grow moss and scum and frogs <laughs> and reptiles and all sorts of ugly things and becomes useless and stagnant. He will only bless a flowing river. So your pond is here. If you have an inlet of his blessings and you have an outlet of sacrifice to the world, 
he's going to keep pouring out and pouring out. Your pond is going to get bigger and bigger and deeper and fuller and richer and clearer and fresher as you allow it to flow through you. So I don't know about you. I want his blessings to flow through me. I don't want his blessings to get stuck in me. I want them to flow through me so I could bless the world with my Isaac. And that's what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Turn around, bless somebody. You're dismissed. Go forth praising him and bringing forth your Isaac to him.